Welcome to Sometimes Dead is Better, and it's me, Kristen. And me, Chris. And we're here to talk about a horror movie. Yes, we have a podcast. Yes. And traditionally, we talk about horror movies, and sometimes we say the true crimes that inspired them. But that's not really accurate, I suppose. We should probably stop saying that. I don't or, think we say that. I say that <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> and I realize it's an error. Um, but we talk about... It somehow ties to it. Right. Related to. So if this is your first episode, bore you for a treat. <laughs> Um, but welcome. Um, so what's been uh, going on with you? You've been uh, keeping busy with your comedy career, I understand. I have been very busy. So, I went on tour. I went to North Carolina. We did four cities and four nights. We sold out three of the four. Who is? Uh, explain to the audience who we is, because this is pretty cool. Me and Julie Maritek, who you guys met on the Shining episode. The now classic Shining episode. Yes. And then my friend Amy Gibbs-Brown. And we did our own tour, and we met up with a local female comic in each city and put on a show. And then we came back, and then I've been doing comedy, and I had seven shows in five days this week, and I'm kind of tired. Which is insane. So I started losing my voice last night, so I finished my set, and I went home early to watch the this movie again, actually. So you, how many times have you watched it, um, I guess, recently? Two. I was surprised to learn, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, um, and by the way, we're doing Night, night Living Day tonight. Yes. So if you didn't, haven't quite caught on to that. I thought I had seen this movie way more times than I have. Uh, and it occurred to me about halfway through the movie when I did not recognize any single scene. <laughs> that I may have seen this like maybe once, maybe twice in my entire life. Maybe it's because I've seen all the you know the sequels right. or, or just so there's a, there's a lot of zombie stuff out there. Yeah, so. and the, I mean I, the cemetery scene is very familiar to me. Okay, and I think it's simply because that you know the famous line which we'll talk about. Yes. Um, but anyway. Um, but before that, what right. have you been watching? What have I been watching? Well, um, I was debating what to talk about, and I think the most fun thing to talk about because I want to talk about Secession, but I'm okay. so behind the. You know, if it was summer 2019, that'd be like raging hot. <laughs> well, I have not seen any of it either. Well, I'll just say it's wonderful. I know people love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm now caught up to it. Kieran Culkin. I love for Kieran the win. Culkin. But I decided we'll, we'll talk about. Um, I saw Knives Out. Um, oh, okay. It's wonderful. Uh, it's um, a clever sort of dinner mystery. I don't know what dinner mystery means, but uh, you know, like think yes. Clue. Uh, yes. It's basically Clue with a sort of. Um, well, I mean, like a kind of a postmodern twist, but Clue itself kind of had a postmodern twist. So, I mean, it's a very clever, unique kind of take on that sort of genre. I'm chock full of stars, huh? Yeah, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis, Chris Evans, Tony Collette. Oh my god! <laughs> when she shows up, I know she's in the movie. James Bond. Yeah. I, oh my god, we have to talk about that. So, okay. I mean, I like James Bond, and I like um, Daniel Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. But in this movie, he is so. Adorable. Oh, he's like country, right? He's very country. It's an accent that's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> um, I mean, they, they call him Foghorn Leghorn, and it's like, sure, it's that type of just, it's not supposed to be realistic, but he is so good in it, and that character is so good, and I hope they make a bunch of spinoffs with him. Oh, good. Um, but anyway, it's a great movie. It's, you know, not, uh, I mean, it does have a lot that you could probably 
take away from it. But Wait, it is, is a, Luke Evans or Chris Evans? It's, uh, what else? It's Chris Evans. Oh, okay, good. Captain America himself. Okay. Um, and then the main star, who I, I, I don't know her name, but she's really good in it. She's, um, I guess it's one of maybe her first roles. Mm. Um, it's fantastic. Does um, it have kind of like a ready or not? vibe too or is it different it's same sort of vibe not nearly as kind of cynical as that one mm. um and not you know there's not like a lot of violence or anything it's funnier i think and uh, the characters are better i like both movies okay obviously tawny collette okay. you know, the mvp she's wonderful i highly recommend it okay so good. what have you been watching well i restarted a little show called er oh okay that's this gonna be fun yeah it Talk. has been a blast. How far into it are you? I am in season two. Oh, wow. So I watched all of season one. There's a lot of episodes. It's like 26 episodes. Yeah. Back then, they just know, cranked them out, didn't cranked they? Cranked them out. And um, I forget, like, the whole first season, you're following, you're essentially following Dr. John Carter. Sure. Who is Noah Wiley. And it's his first day to his last day. And he is the window into everything because they have to explain everything to him so explain everything to us and we're learning along with john carter and i forgot like i guess towards the end noah wiley got kind of annoying towards the end of the show or the first season oh the the show okay but he is so good nvp of er i never thought of him because i guess also i was obsessed with george clooney you back then right when it was on 1994 so Noah Wiley, I thought was cute, but I didn't realize how funny and and um, what a good actor he is. What a great time for TV that was. I mean, you had <laughs> the X Files start around yeah, that time. Yeah, it saved. I mean, ER, ER and X Files saved my life. And then Friends. Mm-hmm. I, I know Friends started the same year because they had that crossover episode. Yes. Well, they're all young and you know, as if they weren't massive stars, and they could just do that. You know, yes. isn't that crazy? Yes. Um, well, that's great. Um, so what, um, I mean, just what's happening now on the show, just so I can see if I remember it. Well, so in the first episode, this is, I mean, if you don't know this, then it's a long time ago. So Carol, who's played by Julianne Margulies, commits, tries to commit suicide. And she was supposed to die in the first episode, and that was supposed to be it, but they that's brought her right. back. But they never, like, really address her, like, suicide again. And then when she comes back, it's like nothing but jokes. They're like, <laughs> she walks in and goes, did anybody call for a truckload of barbiturates? And they all go, Carol! And, like, laugh and laugh. And then they make jokes about her trying to kill herself. Like, the day she comes back. And then later, like, Jerry's like, that was okay, we were razzing you. And she's like, yeah, I'm perfectly fine. Oh, I forgot all about Jerry. Yeah, I love Jerry. Crazy. And then in season two, they add, um, you know, Karen Duffy. Remember her? The MTV personality. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Karen Weaver shows up. She shows up as early as season two? Yes. Okay. Huh. Um, George Clooney gets it's his Caesar haircut, almost. It's a lot shorter. It's not quite... What was his hair like in the first season? Kind of shaggy? Just regular. Oh, okay. But he's a bad boy from the beginning. And so at the beginning, is he already sleeping with Carol? Is that kind of how it all starts? He had slept with her while she was still with Tag. That was her boyfriend at the time. But they broke up because she was with this other guy. And then whenever she got better, they got engaged. There was a whole, he loves her, but she says no. And like a Jim and Pam thing, essentially. She almost gets married and then doesn't. And then um, she moves on. Do you remember Shep, who's the um, The, the ambulance driver? Yes, yes. He's so cute. Yeah. I think something bad happens to him. I don't remember, but I think it does. I remember something and I'm already about fire. Like, I'm getting very sad, yeah. and I I think that's why. Like I have this feeling in me that's like I know something bad happens. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's like, it, I, well, I don't remember, but yeah, you, I'm getting excited just talking about it. It's it is on Hulu, or it's on Hulu. Okay, they have all 15 seasons. About 15. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. Um, I made it to 
the season. I don't remember what it was. I watched it all the way through till when George Clooney left, and then I stopped watching. And then I watched when he came back. Um, yeah, I think I did the same. And then thing. I tried watching it again, and it was the episode when Rocket Romano got hit by a helicopter, and I was like, oh my god, this is just too much. <laughs> I, I think I may have seen that one. But I am in it now, and I am loving it. So, And then Benton starts out much more like kind of happy-go-lucky. He's still kind of tough, but he they, they realize quickly he's he, they need to change him. And I think in season three is when Omar Epps shows up. I'm very excited about that. Oh, right, right. There's just so much to look forward to. Yeah, there's a lot of people in that show. And the theme song is still so great. The opening credits, you know. But it's so much goofier. Because I wanted to be an ER doctor when I was a kid because of this movie, because of this TV show. And, like, they're, like, playing pranks on patients and, like, dancing in the in the ER. Like, none of this happens in really ours, you know. Yeah. And there's, they're all having sex with each other. and. Well, that probably happens. Maybe, but like on the maybe like on the third or fourth episode, Carter tries to kiss uh, Susan String. Um, what? Bill? Sarah Stringfield. <laughs> I it, forgot how much I loved her. And didn't you know, she also like leave real early in the show? Like she comes, she leaves, but then she comes back. Okay. Well, yeah, well, I I highly recommend it. You are. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, it's the '90s, man. Get with the times, and it's like, oh, it's the '90s. <laughs> All right, so what are we drinking? Well, um, we are drinking. Well, this is uh, again tied into Night of Living Dead. Yes. So, well, you picked it out, so I guess it's probably best for you to explain. Well, at it. least help me too. It's called um, Bone Dry Hard Cider Core Crusher, and it's uh, a crushed apple cider. Right. And it's got a really creepy image on the front of a skeleton holding a apple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be a heart. Um, this also could have gone with the sounds of lambs. There's a, like a moth or something on the top. I think it's a bee because I think oh. they use I think they use nectar in it. But it's 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 unseasonably hot today for mid December, and so I just really felt like well for me it was. I don't like when it's <laughs> it's about fifty. Yeah, ah, uh, that's good. It is good. Yeah, I don't usually drink a lot of ciders, but this is quite tasty. And it's low calorie. Is it a local cider? Do you think or mm, no? It's, it's Michigan. Missouri. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we'll never know. Well, no, there's what, no what, way what, to know. M I. That's I think that's Missouri. Now that could be Mississippi. So M S is Mississippi. What is M I? What's well, Mich- Michigan then? <laughs> We've got to flip this up. <laughs> Are you ready to find out what it is? Yes. You're correct. It's Michigan. Okay. So what is Missouri? Jeez. <laughs> you just pull up the whole list of abbreviations. M S state. That's M S is Mississippi. Yes. Missouri. What could that possibly be? MR? Missouri. <laughs> MO. MO! I think that's right. Yes. Hold on. Yes, yes Missouri. Woo-hoo! Do you know what Maine is? Maine. Um, MN. It's ME. <gasps> you wouldn't have thought that, would you? Oh, that's right. Okay. All right, well, that was fun. That's your, um, our normal state abbreviation corner that we do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go back to 1968. Yes. I was not born back then. No, none of us were. No, we weren't even thought of. So, um, yeah, when I cranked this up uh, last night on the old uh, Amazon machine, um, <laughs> did you do the 30th anniversary or 50th anniversary ultra streaming? I mean, it's like called Ultra Edition or whatever. Yes. It's funny. It says like, you know, super high definition version and you click on it. It's still like the grainiest. Yes. You know, <laughs> I mean, they can't really um, fix that very well, but it did look pretty good. I thought, you know, the... As far as that goes. But I, again, I have not seen this in a long time. And apparently I may have only seen this movie once or twice in my entire life. Which for me is, you know, a fairly low count. Because a lot of these movies I've seen multiple times. Yeah. But I was surprised, you know, I first thought, well, this can't be the high definition version. But it's a very, very low budget movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not sure I was aware of that at the time. 
when I first saw it. But I mean, we're talking, I mean, just no money. I did read that this is one of the highest grossing movies or highest, what's the way to say this? Most successful movies of all time because it was made for such a low amount. Oh, okay. It made like 200 times its budget because mm-hmm. it was kind of a hit. Okay. But yes, 1968. Um, so we have, uh, you know, the Vietnam War going on. You can see where I'm going with this already. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, we had, um, you know, Martin Luther King's been shot. Um, both Kennedys have been shot. I'm talking, well, specifically 1968, you had um, the brother shot. Right. Well, yeah, they say that um, Bobby. this was actually filmed a little before Martin Luther King was shot. They said uh-huh. they were driving to New York, like, with the film to give it to a distributor when they heard on the radio that Martin Luther King had been shot. Because that was something I had read because, obviously, okay, so George Romero is obviously the writer and director of this movie who really started the new zombie phenomenon and what's kind of carried through through the, the right. latest from the movies. For and, sure, 100%. And, um, and, and he obviously, he hired a black man to be the lead character. And he says it wasn't, he didn't think of race. Right, it wasn't he, written as a particularly, one way or the other, I don't think. It, it was the first movie, apparently, that had been not specifically, or a black man was cast where it wasn't specifically for a black man. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah. Because um, they did keep waiting for that to be acknowledged in the, in the script, you know, and it never really is. No. I mean, it's, I think it's acknowledged. It's under, there, there's te- it's right. under there. There's a lot um, of tension, and, yes. uh, but there's no, nothing explicit, uh, which is what's kind of so cool about it. Yes, and I mean, he says he didn't think of it as like a, a big deal. He just hired the best actor. Right. But then whenever they were, they heard Martin Luther King was shot, he was, they were like, oh, this is going to make a big uh, statement in race right. somehow. They kind of realized that. Yeah, I mean, it's something that you just can't be ignored at all. The main character is African-American. Uh, for, but before we get to him, sure, it starts out. It's in black and white, too. We can't just dive right into the, under, <laughs> the racial um, I didn't look into it, but it was one of the reasons why. I know a lot of movies were still in black and white, but a lot were in color. Um, yeah. But did they do that maybe so that way they wouldn't have to worry about blood or they could use... So they wouldn't worry about... I didn't read that either. I, or they I, wouldn't have to worry about it being as graphic because it was in black and white. I think that's probably more to do with it. I, I kind of thought also maybe it was just cheaper, you know, super oh, low budget. Yeah, yeah. You know, or they spent uh, just a little over $100,000, you know, doing this thing. Whereas, you know, Texas Chainsaw, what was that, $700,000? did not we talk about this? So, you know, and that's a low budget movie too. Yeah. Um, but this is very low budget. It's interesting that, you know, George Romero, he, he came from, you know, he's doing commercials, uh, you know, he's doing things like that at the time. And uh, he just kind of decided that it will, he wanted to do a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they kind of just, you know, like maybe you and me would do like, what do we want to do? It's not like this came fully formed to him. They talked about different types of creatures and they kind of just landed on zombies. Interesting. Um, so there's not, you know, it's not like he was burning to do a zombie movie or that this is, this came from some idea he had. It was really sort of just the fact they want to make a movie, period. Mm-hmm. And he thought he'd have a, you know, given that it would probably be low budget, you know, horror movies usually did okay. And it kind of came from that type of mentality. Yeah, and there hadn't been much, and, the, and uh, I guess one of the main things we'll get back to is they, they don't call them zombies. No, yeah, at it's all. Not, yeah. So, I it think... Goals. Like, yeah, yeah, so what I was looking at was like, one of the first movies was in the 30s, called White Zombie. Mm-hmm. And it was a Bela Lugosi movie. And then there might have been, you know, a couple more after that, but there wasn't that much to pull from. So it's sort of interesting that he decided to land on that. Yeah. And when I say zombies, I mean, the word zombie may not necessarily have been on his mind because zombies, I think maybe before this movie, you you really specifically may be thinking about the sort of 
Is it Haiti? Like the yeah, we'll get the, into that. Okay, I got well, a lot of information. Well, on it's that. a very specific type of creature, yes. you know. And yeah. now it's just sort of like any kind of undead thing, you know, that right. eats brains. But I think really he was probably just thinking about you know a, a dead guy that eats brains, and isn't that creepy? And I guess it, it just sort of happens to be what we think of as a zombie, mm-hmm. sort of a chicken, chicken or the egg thing. I was surprised to find that at least for the first half of it, like wow, there's not like as much zombie action. <laughs> As maybe I, I remember. And then, of course, it just goes insane. <laughs> yeah. uh, and there's plenty of zombie action. Um, but it's, it's, it's a very different movie than I remembered, yeah, like tonally and like just anything. I mean, I really, really loved it, but it's just not what, what I was expecting at all. So we meet John and Barbara. Yes. Who are visiting their father's grave. Yes. Um, Johnny is a bit of a rascal. I like that they are brother and sister and not like a couple or because I think it's a little more playful. Yeah. He can be a little more mean and you're not like, why is he being so mean to his wife? You know, it's, yeah, yeah, that'll be very, it'd be a very strange scene if they were married. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so they're visiting the cemetery where their dad is. Uh, there's this whole big conversation about how um, this is just something they kind of have to do. Johnny does not want to be there. Well, it's nice. That he's kind of dressed up. It's kind of cute. Um, <laughs> he's got his glasses on very sixties. Um, she's got a nice um, trench coat on. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of got a cool, it's a very sort of sixties haircut. Don't you think? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but they don't want to be there. They, uh, she is more agreeable than he is. Um, and it's sort of this burden on them. And he even makes a point that I don't even remember what my father looks like. Uh, so that's kind of, there and then uh things kind of get going uh like five minutes in the movie yeah uh, i like that first ghoul uh he's kind of lanky and i think he's a great he's got like a long kind of like a like an ed munster kind of yeah. vibe um and he teases her about him coming to get her yeah she's she's uncomfortable line. being in a cemetery i mean mm-hmm. she says she's always been scared of them so he starts teasing her kind of you know saying oh this guy's gonna come and get you and then what does he say you know oh they're coming to get you barbara yeah, and it's <laughs> still so creepy when he says it i'm not sure why because he's obviously playing but it is kind of scary yeah but well then you realize oh he is coming to get her right. and he, at- he attacks her and johnny gets tries to help get him off and he falls and hits his head and then it's very quickly. She's running away. She's in the car. She has no keys. She crashes the car. She gets out of the car. Yeah. This time, I mean, this does she take. She falls like, down a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this takes a good ten or fifteen minutes. This this whole ordeal. And um, as soon as uh, Johnny, I guess, hits his head on the the tombstone, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of it kind of becomes like a silent movie for you know a good ten or fifteen minutes if you really notice. Oh, like yeah. there's no, not even really any screaming. It's just sort of action. Just her trying to escape badly. Yeah. Um, no, I mean she. And she well, we already see the zombies slow moving, right? Um, but you know, and a note on the zombies, like this is also kind of interesting. Like, you know, they don't look at all like I either imagined they would or remembered or thought I remember they did. They don't even really look like you know, like you think The Walking Dead, like all right. gross and made up. And I guess the idea is that they're you know recently dead, so they they wouldn't look that bad. Yeah, I wonder about that too because kind of like all of them look like like they were just freshly. It's not like they were coming out of the graves. I guess. Right. Yeah, they're not even that dirty. Um, so this is a, a little bit scarier in a way because, like, as this guy is walking toward towards her, there's nothing necessarily to indicate that it's a you know a monster or a dead person. Mm-hmm. Whereas, say, like in The Walking Dead, like, okay, that's obviously <laughs> yes. a, you know, a walker or whatever. <laughs> yes. Um, have you been watching The Walking Dead still? No. I I, I um I was kind of not feeling well one day, so I was watching. I just 
on Netflix. Like, fine, fine, Walking Dead. So I watched like the last half season. Mm-hmm. It got pretty good again. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it, you don't blame me. It's so much time to devote. You know, like I, Unless, I was getting towards the end. So I forget what season it is. The season right before Glenn died. Um, I was kind of spotty watching it through there. Then I, rough going, it yeah. did really bother me. I wanted to know who died. So I did watch the season premiere. And then I was like, that's enough. Yeah. I was kind of the same way. But I love like the first three seasons. Yeah. I love it. It's gotten good. again. It's not as good as it was, but it's, um, and maybe it's just when you're able to binge it, it's kind of like, whatever. Right. Um, you don't get as bothered by it. But I think it is, um, it's kind of had a little renaissance. Okay, but I might, my point I might is, ask you about a bunch of stuff just to know what happened. But my, my point is, like, I, I say, like, you know, you wouldn't obviously know they're, they're obviously they're walkers, but on the new season, there's some people that dress up as walkers. What? Yeah. I mean, can the walkers start talking now, too, or something? No, they're well, that's, 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 those are them people. Oh. Yeah, they're, they're the whispers, and people are like, you know, what's happening? And it turns out Gross. they're super crazy people led by this girl, Samantha Morton. Oh, who, that's um, interesting. And uh, Thora Birch, isn't it? Interesting. Yeah, Does she, she show her boobs? No, but she wears a zombie mask. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. And you're like, that's the word perch. Um, Interesting. Anyway, I highly recommend it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So uh, she runs to a giant white farmhouse. Yes. Which is also very similar to season two of The Walking Dead or yes. season three, whichever that one that is, when they go to the big farmhouse mm-hmm. and hide out there. Also, it reminded me of In Cold Blood. You know, it reminded me of what the clutter farm might look like. The big white farmhouse out oh, in the middle yeah. of nowhere. So it made me think of that. That book came out. In 1966, so I wondered if that had anything to do with his choosing of that space. Maybe not. Yeah, so she's um, for a while all alone there. You know, it looks like kind of through that the rest of that evening, and she finds is it the some lady or at the top of the stairs? Someone is. I don't know what happened to yeah, her. She's Did dead. someone eat her? <laughs> I don't know, but I guess they ate her and then left. That is quite a dead body. She it's finds quite a dead body. This is not a newly. Um, it's pretty gross. It's kind of the grossest thing you see for the first hour yeah, or so, yeah. for sure. Um, but then we have uh, Ben show up. Yeah, who's Dwayne Jones. Yeah, Dwayne Jones. And he is the, um, the African-American of which we spoke. Mm-hmm. So um, his... Um, he was actually an English professor at New York University uh, before he got in this role. And then he never, he didn't really do much hmm. after. I wonder he, what made him want to do this. I don't know. Interesting. So he shows up at the house. Is uh, by this point, um, Barbara is more or less kind of just not catatonic or anything, but she's kind of out of it. Um, so he kind of takes the lead. You know, his, he says his car is out of gas or something, and he uh, so that's why he showed up there. But he kind of saves her. He you know bursts in the door, and I guess it starts um, somehow locks the zombies out. Yeah, he seems like very strong, very capable, and yeah. he is a snack, right? Uh, he's very handsome, yeah. Uh, so you'd think that going into this, Barbara was going to be our main character. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Yeah. She's the pretty white and right. also reminds me of the birds. Yeah. She's, she's Tippy Hedron or whatever, you know, and we're going to see everything through her. Right, right. Especially, I mean, she started from the beginning and she kind of came through right. the rest of the movie, yeah. but she kind of gets pushed yeah, aside. so that's interesting. It's yeah. very interesting. It's very interesting. <laughs> Uh, also, you maybe think like Psycho, the sort of you know switch there where you think it's Chant Lee and it ends up being, or well, in a way, Norman, Norman Bates becoming main character. Uh, or, so remember, you remember the podcast? Um, you must remember this. Yeah. And you listen to the Manson one. The new one is fantastic, and What's it's about, about Song of the South. Oh, really? And it is. I think I listened to about six episodes, and it is fascinating. Is that the Disney movie? Yes. And so they all talk a lot about. Um, African Americans in Hollywood at that time from the 50s and they, they did have a whole episode about Hattie McDaniel 
who won the Oscar for Gone with the Wind, you know, she played the maid. And, you know, the only roles that were available for black actors was slaves, servants, and pretty that's about it. So the fact that Dwayne, and I don't know if we're going to talk about this later on the series or not, because this seems like a huge thing. Because, like, Hattie McDaniel kept taking roles that were servants or slaves or cooks or maids, you know, because that's all she could get. And she's also, she, she couldn't really fight Hollywood and be a part of it, you know? It's really fascinating. And so it wasn't until Sidney Poitier came along in the 60s, which yeah. was about this time. That's what like, I was thinking, yeah. I mean, I guess the, you have... Heat of the night and... Guess who's coming to dinner. They both came out in, like, 67. So you kind of have that... But before that, there there really wasn't any African Americans that had yeah, roles the, like this that the, weren't like like they said weren't specifically for right. the fact that he's just person. kind of there and it's not acknowledged and he's just like a normal, yeah. normal character. Uh, he hits a white woman, right? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, he hits a woman. Period. Much less, yeah. You know, and I do feel like they're playing on that um, sort of. There, there's there's definitely something in the fact that you have this you know white woman uh, Barbara who is very obviously terrified but she stays terrified when he shows up mm-hmm. so it's kind of like well what's that about like she doesn't yeah. speak to him for a good 10 minutes and you can kind of go you know say well that's because she just got attacked by zombies mm-hmm. um, but also you know maybe it's because well now she's stuck in this house with this you know stranger who's a black yeah. man yeah. Uh, who's towering over her there is something about his size that's imposing it has nothing to do with him being black necessarily but I do wonder to what extent uh, Romero and you know whoever kind of played with these sort of uh, you know tropes of the sort of you know African American man. Uh, like there's even that scene where he like sort of after he punches her, <laughs> or he you know kind of lays her on the couch. Well, I mean, it's for her own good. I mean, she's trying to get out, and so he she slaps him. He could have slapped her. Yeah, yeah. He, she, she he, I guess he thinks he's got to knock her out because he's gonna she's gonna try to get out the door. That's yeah. what she's trying to do. So she he knocks her out. When he lays her on the couch, she kind of uh, you know takes off her oh uh, yeah jacket a little bit, and that's sounds suggestive. You know. Uh, not that he's doing anything, but the yeah, it would maybe be just a fear she would have that he that he would right. do something. So I do think they're playing with that a little bit, or is completely unintentional, and I'm just you know can't ignore all that. Uh, but it does it, it may either way it makes the movie like fifty percent more fascinating to watch because of all that sort of loaded imagery. Yeah, there was an article in Hollywood Reporter, and it had mentioned that during an interview of Dwayne. In the Criterion Collection, he told a story about one night he was driving home from set with um, one of the extras, Betty Ellen, who's um, assuming a white woman, and said, and this is a quote from him, he said, we were driving through downtown Pittsburgh, of all places, and heading back to Dequesk, when all of a sudden we became very aware of the fact that there were some teenagers in a car following us. And at first we thought it was some of the young folks who were around the filming. I looked back and said, Betty, those are strangers. And I looked back, one of them started brandishing a tire iron at me. The paradox and the irony that I had been walking around brandishing a tire iron at ghouls all day, and there was someone brandishing a tire iron at me from a car, but in absolute seriousness. At that moment, the total surrealism of the racial nightmare of America being worse than whatever that we were doing as a metaphor in that farm lives with me to this moment. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. He seemed like, I mean, he seemed like a super intelligent guy, just from stuff I read about him and stuff. I mean, he was a professor, and I think he went back to teaching, and then he passed away kind of young. He was like 55. He had a heart. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that he apparently knew, I guess it was on their minds that, you know, they, they definitely were making something that was, you know, metaphorical and mm-hmm. 
even then. So I mean, I, I mean George Romero doesn't say that, no. he, he, but he must have known. Yeah, unless I mean, he was just a young kid who really didn't think about it. I mean, I don't be. know. I mean, I, I find that a little hard. Well, to believe, then also, but... how can you? Okay, we'll get to the end later. All right. So anyway. No. Yeah. For sure. But, <laughs> All right. Uh, I do. I mean, that that is a fascinating question. That you have this. I mean, you know, like you know this. Does intent matter? You always kind of get down to that, like whether or not they intended all these things to be there. I mean, if if that's what the viewer sees from them, like you know, what difference does it make? Yeah. Hello there, Kristen here. Thank you so much for listening. We want to invite you to come join our Facebook group. Sometimes groups are better. There are a lot of cool people in there. We talk about the movies Chris and I review, new horror movies coming out, true crime, pop culture. It's really fun. We would also be so grateful if you would go on iTunes and subscribe and rate and review or subscribe on whatever podcasting app you use. It really helps us to be seen by more awesome people like you. And we want to continue to build this great community. Also, follow us on Instagram at Sometimes Dead Podcasts. We'll post pictures of the drinks we're drinking or pictures of the true crimes we're doing. While you're there, follow Gabby Watts, who does our amazing theme song. Follow her band at Gabby Rots, G-A-B-B-I-E-R-O-T-T-S. And remember, sometimes dead is better. So the zombies seem pretty smart. I mean, I know. They, know, they know to pick up things, to break things. They break the lights in the car. Yeah, like, and I hate to keep comparing things to The Walking Dead, but that's just right. sort of what people know now. But, like, in The Walking Dead, they're just complete dumbasses. Yeah. But, yeah, here they're, like, you know, they're breaking the headlights and, you know, destroying things. There seems to be some tactical reason for it. Yeah, they know to pick up a rock to break a window. Right. For yeah, a they seem more menacing that way. What do you think of the Zack Snyder zombies? It's been a long time since I saw that movie. Uh, but they run fast. Yes, I uh, love that movie. Yeah, that was a good movie. I, I think we even. So we're talking about the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Right? George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. When Zack Snyder remade it in the two thousands, and but but everybody loved that movie. I mean, like horror fans were like, "Wow, you're going to try and remake Dawn of the Dead?" And they're like, "Oh, well, that's a pretty good movie." He did a good job. And then I don't know what happened. He started to make Superman, and he hasn't really made anything that was. As good as that. Well, you didn't like Batman for Superman. <laughs> I didn't see any of them. I couldn't do it. Um, yeah, he. Well, he did. He did Watchmen, which was at least interesting. By the way, the new Watchmen show is fantastic. I gotta watch that. So good. Um, and, uh, but yeah, you're right. I guess he kind of just got trapped by the whole comic book genre. I mean, not I, I do love the fast ones too, and, and 28 days later, and 28 weeks later, and they're not zombies though. I understand it's a virus. They're, they're, well, they're zombies. They don't call them that though. It's well, a they virus. don't call them that in this either. Though. I know. I, I think do. That, I, think I like them either way. Yeah. I'll take them either way. I love zombies. <laughs> I really do. I got really into them about that time when like The Walking Dead came out and everybody went crazy about them. I read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. I had the zombie oh, right, survival right. guide. I loved it all. And and I still do. Well, so how do you think the zombies in this one rank? Well, considering they were setting the groundwork for everything, I mean, I think it's pretty good. Do you find them scary? Yes. Okay. I mean, they really do seem like just like soulless creatures, yeah. you know? I will say the first kind of half of the movie, I wasn't that necessarily scared of them, like this time anyway. 
But then once you get to the scene where they're eating actually them, eating, yeah. and it's like, okay, that's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> uh, and, and, and then everything after that was just so chaotic that I kind of, okay, I got it. The first half, they seemed a little, um, and it was just kind of maybe just a product of the hell was directed. They seemed like a little bit ineffectual and, uh, you know, because they were walking so slow. It's like, okay, yeah. we can probably get away from them. Right. Um, but I guess you can't. Well, that's what I think about The Walking Dead, too, and yet they still seem to... Well, The Walking Dead, I mean, at this point, the zombies are like even beside the point, which is kind of one of the problems with the show. They're mm. not, they haven't been scary for years. Every now and then they'll get somebody. <laughs> but it's the, the big threats on that show are always like the other people now. Now, they've already kind of figured out... Ben's already figured out some things. He's figured out they're afraid of fire, right. and he's figured out you got to hit him, in, hit him in the head. Right. So I guess, like... Barbara and Johnny, they're probably just like driving on these country roads for a long time, not un- unaware what was going on. Well, Ben was sort of, I guess he he kind of explains where he's been. He was in a diner. It happened. He fought them off. He got in a truck and he kind of tells his backstory. And then she tries to tell her backstory and he's like, hey, calm down. And he's kind of rude. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty mean to her in a way. I mean, I get, he's panicked. I mean, he's not panicked, but he's he's got a lot to deal with and he just doesn't really have time for her. But it does come off as a bit, you know, I don't know, misogynistic, maybe. Just let her tell her story. No, She's Let her get it out. No time for that. No. Um, but he does, you know, I like how he gets just right to work. You know, he's he's boarding up doors. Yeah. He's hammering things. Yeah. And so we think it's just these two. And then all of a sudden we have some new people come up from the cellar. The cellar, yeah. You have a whole family down there. Yeah. Plus and a boyfriend two, and girlfriend. Yeah, two teenagers. Yeah, I didn't realize they were teenagers until I read that on Wikipedia, but... They do seem older. Right. Um, they're. I think they are both very attractive. Oh, the girl? She's beautiful. She comes up, it's like, oh, is Bridget Bardot in this movie? What the hell? <laughs> yeah, her, she looks perfect. She doesn't look like she's really had that hard of a day, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't think she has any uh, dialogue in the movie, does she? Oh, jo- she said, oh, Tom, do I yeah. have to? I'm trying to find their names. It's Tom and... Uh, Judy. Judy, yeah. They're just adorable couple. I like Tom a lot. Yeah. Tom seems to get on um, Ben's wavelength. But none of them are, again, like, these actors don't go on to really do anything else. I, I wonder if they were all just kind of friends with George Romero, maybe, and they just Could be. were in the movie as a favor or something. Mr. Cooper and his wife and his daughter is sick downstairs. Right. And his wife is Helen, and her um, daughter, his daughter's Karen, I think. Yeah. And so the dynamic between... Ben and Mr. Cooper is fascinating. Yeah, and that kind of takes over the rest of the movie, yes. really. Um, so, what what, do you, what what is your sort of take on all that? Or oh, well, I mean, this is again, this is an African American man in 1968 yelling at an older white man and telling him to get the hell back down into the cellar. Right. And I'm the I'm in charge up here, and just yelling at him, berating him. Um, I mean, that's powerful, right? I, want, I was kind of wondering, and I, I do think the idea that this guy, you know, all that's definitely there. They, there's no dialogue about, you know, how dare you black man yell at me, like, you yeah. know, that type of thing. But it's I was definitely, wondering how could it not, how could mis, a guy like Mr. Cooper not say something like that? Right. Um, and I, I guess if this was a Quentin Tarantino movie, then that probably would have happened. There would have been much more racial stress going on there. But in this, it really... You get it's all underlying there. It's, but it also seems, seems to be a little bit maybe kind of generational because you have sort of this older guy. Right. I mean, I don't know how old Ben is, but I guess he's at least you know twenties or thirties. Yeah. You can't really tell. Um, but you got to think about what kind of what's going on. You know, you have again the, the Vietnam War and all these sort of um, you know countercultural uh, us versus them type things. Oh and yeah. It's all very generational. Yeah, I uh, think we talked about on 
Texas Chainsaw, they do such a good job of portraying that in Mad Men. How right. we see Don Draper and how he's kind of trying to interact with the younger people, but it's such a big divide in that time. Yeah, so I do wonder like what this whole idea, like it's his whole sort of philosophy in the movie is that we need to be in a cellar where it's safe and right. uh, where you know we can absolutely sort of board ourselves up and you know we'll be like you know and it's kind of very much sort of and you may not be invited necessarily whereas he's very much no that's stupid that's a death trap you'll be trapped down there up here we have all these weapons and means of escape and we can see what's going on mm-hmm. and you know I don't, i'm not sure exactly what that metaphor is but it's kind of interesting when you think about you know just the world in general at that time you know they have all these ideas about you know we shouldn't be in vietnam we should be you know at home protecting like basically the, the guy in the sailor is like an isolationist uh you know and the uh ben is more of a more progressive sort of open-minded pragmatic pragmatic kind of thinker hmm. so all that's kind of i think buried in the in the text a little bit well but, this is probably also just because i've been listening to the song of the south series too much but but one of the big problems with the movie song of the south is that it's essentially all of these former slaves singing songs about how they kind of wish things were back to the way they were right and so i don't know that kind of made me think of that I don't know. No, I, I, I get that. Yeah, it's kind of a similar. I mean, I'm not again. I'm not sure what that metaphor is. <laughs> I, I was trying to figure it out all night. Uh, I, I just. I mean, I feel like it is a bit generational. There's definitely some kind of racial racial tension there. It could be just he just wants his family away from the, the large black man upstairs. I don't know, but there's definitely this sort of tension and it's idea driven about how they're supposed to deal with this threat. And one idea is, you know absolute isolationist you yeah. know so, you, you know where ben sees that as cowardice mm-hmm. but maybe there maybe there's some value to that maybe we don't need to be involved in whatever's going on outside this house or ben is just very much about no we need to be on the front line yeah. um you kind of see where i'm going with all yeah. that um, and that kind of only makes sense a little bit given the 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 context like everybody then you know especially someone george romero was in his 20s so mm-hmm. he was probably pretty active and in, in these you know Maybe not these protests or the Vietnam War protests, but I'm sure that was at least on his mind. Uh, I mean, just given that upheaval, and this is filmed. The in, civil rights movement's right. also going on at this time. That makes a lot of sense. So whether it's the Vietnam War or whether it's civil rights movement or women's rights, right. it's either go down in the basement and lock yourself yeah, off and shut up. <laughs> yeah, or stay up here and fight. Right. Yeah, that's probably the best way to say it. Thank you, Chris. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's why we 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 took us twenty minutes to get there. Each but. Other. <laughs> At least I openly acknowledge I didn't know what the metaphor was. But I, I, I think that's kind of fascinating. But it's also, like you said, some of it is just pure and simple as how dare this guy talk me this way? And how dare you take control? And to speak to, uh, like you were talking about, how big a deal it was that he was the main character, I was just looking at uh, the Roger Ebert review mm-hmm. at, uh, at the time, the mm-hmm. contemporary review. When it's, and he gave it a very good review in retrospect. When did Roger Ebert start reviewing? Around this time. It was okay. like 1967 or 68. Wow. So this is one of his first ones. And he was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating is... Also is where ER is filmed. Yes. Well, what's fascinating about this is this is one of the last movies that was released before he had the rating system. You know, PG, PG-13 or... Oh, okay. So there was just no rating. I guess there's some sort of general guy, but not like you think of today. So anybody could come into this movie, right? Mm-hmm. And so when Roger Ebert saw this, he said there's a bunch of kids there, like mm-hmm. little kids that mm-hmm. they just thought they were coming into, like, think, you know, Wolfenstein or... Is that a movie? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, yeah. I don't know, like a fun horror movie, like these black and white horror movies, you know, yeah. from the fifties that you could go House and see. wax. Yeah. Um, you know, think about in it. The Vincent like, Price movie. Yeah. Right. That type of thing. And he says the first half of the movie, like, you know, everybody was kind of okay. And he said that like halfway through the movie, things went from semi-fun to just genuinely upsetting and terrifying. And that place got absolutely silent. The kids started crying. Oh, my gosh. Um, and he was basically, the most of the review, which is simply like, how dare these parents let their kids into this movie? What responsibility the filmmakers have? And he's actually talking about how there needs to be a rating system. Oh, wow. It's fascinating. But also, whenever he talks about Ben, he just says... He just calls him the Negro, and, and I promise you, and it's like in capitals. It's like T H E capital N Negro. He doesn't mention his name. It could be just he didn't know his name, but that shows. And he doesn't acknowledge anything about the fact that wow, that's unique that there's a black man as the main character of this movie. He just referred. He just when he talks about him at all, he just says, and then the Negro does this. Wow. Um, I mean, but he kind of talks about all the characters that way. The teenagers do this, right? Um, but they're not capitalized. Mm-hmm. Um, it is fascinating if you if you want to look at it because it gives you a real insight into how people may have thought about that movie. His main point was that it was absolutely terrifying and upsetting. did he like the movie? He had a note at the top where it said, "At the time when I reviewed this, I admit it was not so much as a review as an upsetting <laughs> experience." Hmm. But I've later gone back and watched it several times, and I would give it three and a half stars. Is out of four is what he would give it hmm. um, but he, he didn't rate it at the time because it was more just a, like a almost more of an article of an interview just about this upsetting experience he had in the movies and it mostly crazy. had to do with the kids that were there and yes like you, meant, like you said because we went to go see It and there's just kids and babies running yeah. everywhere even that I don't know like it's this is a different type of upsetting I think <sighs> when those zombies are eating those body parts and the kid at the end, and think about the time. I, I mean, know. I just I can't even imagine that. The radio describes it. I wrote, also wrote some of what they said. You know, an epidemic of mass murder. Uh, we don't know what kind of murder happy characters we're dealing with here. <laughs> uh, that was a line. Uh, murder victims. I never said they call them murder victims. You don't really think about them as being murdered. I mean, they're being eaten. But, um, murder victims show evidence of having been partially devoured. Messed that up. Like, ooh. I do think it's fascinating that you go through half the movie. Not knowing that they're dealing with you know dead people, you know, which just it just really changes. Them. I mean, obviously we know because yeah, the movie title at least one. they get the news and the TV, and yeah. then they try to explain it. There's some sort of radiation with a, a probe that went to Venus and it came back. They try. They don't have to. I don't. We don't really need any of that backstory. Yeah, I love the explanation though. Like, sure. Yeah. Radiation. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be some reason for it. But yeah, so now they're arguing for a while about where to go, and they eventually land on this plan about because the radio has been talking about these safe zones or these shelters right. or whatever. So they're like, okay, they need wait, to get out of there. They need to get out of there. Um, so they make this plan to go get gas from a nearby. Oh, it's just a fucking yeah. mess. Oh, you don't think that's a bad plan? Um, no, because then they so they get the key. Right. But then when they get out there, the but, key doesn't work. Yeah. Well, so but, he shoots the gas tank. Sure. Which is a bad, but apparently that worked. Sure. Then he just like. Takes the gas out, sprays it everywhere, where the fire is. They said they essentially like doom themselves. He's also throwing Molotov cocktails at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he does yell at Judy, Judy, hurry up and make those. Yeah, that's like item A on his plan. Molotov I did. cocktails. Judy is looking at Tom, and Tom says, "You always got a smile for me. How yeah. you always?" And they're just like, "Oh, they're so cute." I Boom. love. Yeah. <laughs> I love Tom. And then they like, blow themselves up. Yeah, I wrote. I just wrote. Tom is a girlfriend. She's hot. She's been in Sailor. Tom is hot. <laughs> Just so I can remember. Um, that, was, that was a bummer. Because then they're the ones 
that are in the horrific scene of being eaten. I remember being at a friend's house and this being on TV and that particular scene being on the TV. And I remember that bothering me for a long, long time. Really? Because it's still disturbing. Because like they, they have like the intestines that oh, they're playing God. with. Yeah. And some guy's eating a liver. And it's just so matter of fact, the way it's shown. There's not like, you know, any like extreme horror music playing or anything. Yeah, it's just them like just, having just dinner. Down, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really bothered me. Even last night it bothered me because I just kind of forgot about that scene. But it was it was nice of Judy and Tom to barbecue themselves for them. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I bet they were delicious. Yeah. Um, but since, then so when Ben runs back in after this whole ordeal, he sees Mr. Cooper not about to let or he oh, right. not about to let him in right this is him off and he whoops his ass yeah like the, these ghouls i guess are just still coming to them like in the walking dead they come to sound i don't know if they're very specific about maybe they just know that people are in there or yeah i mean they just seem smarter so yeah i mean there's yeah. fire everywhere they're throwing they things be quiet the- too they're <laughs> yelling and screaming and punching yeah. each other and slapping women throwing things to windows <laughs> <laughs> But so then there, the more people are trying to break in, and it's all chaotic. And at some point, Mr. Cooper grabs the gun and points it at Ben. But then Ben gets it away, and then they they struggle. Ben gets the gun back, and he shoots Mr. Cooper. That seemed yeah. a bit harsh. Like, oh. I think he was just trying to get his wife to go back down in the cellar. He wanted to go back and down the cellar. I don't know. I, I guess I saw it. I mean, yeah, it was still shocking. Don't be wrong. But I, I saw him as more of a, a genuine threat. I, I thought, well, yeah, he may actually try and kill him. I don't know. He just seemed like so... He seemed so helpless when he had the gun. Like, it just it really didn't seem like he was going to shoot him. It seemed like he really just wanted to get his wife down in the cellar with his daughter. But he shoots him, and he stumbles down the stairs. And that's when we see Karen has woken up. Yeah. And, you know, that... I mean, we kind of skipped over this, but the minute when you learn that she was bitten. Right. Uh, which that, you know, you obviously we know that's a huge deal because of The Walking Dead and this right. and that. But back then they kind of, you know, they said, oh, that may be bad. <laughs> you know, because I think even Ben says, who knows what's in their uh, blood or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but you don't know that's going to happen, right. I don't think. Uh, so that was, yeah, that was shocking. And then that is so scary. First of all, I mean, I don't think we really appreciate how chaotic he gets in that house yes. you know, leading up to the shooting. Very quickly. And, um, a lot of tight shots. A lot of tight shots. Yeah. The, the zombies are just everywhere. Um, Bar- uh, Barbara's gone full on crazy. She's saying things. She keeps saying Johnny has the keys. Johnny has the keys. <laughs> I love her. Oh. Uh, and then she gets pulled out right, the freaking door Johnny. by Johnny, who presumably you know eats her. It's sad. But. Yeah, well, they all, they all get on her. And yeah. they, they presumably, yeah, tear apart. Yeah, they all die. Um, but yeah, so in the midst of this chaos, Karen is woken up. And so she, what does she do to her dad? Is she, she eats his arm off? I don't know how she, like, he comes. Oh, because she crawls downstairs. She's already been shot. Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's already not good. And then she eats his arm off very quickly. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was terrible. And then the mother comes down. Which is very much like the scene in Pet Cemetery. Yes, I didn't think about yes. that. Yeah. But it's. I think it's more. Which was shocking in 1999. Which was shocking in 2019. When we watched the remake. Yeah. So. I want to see the remake again. Yeah, I do too. Um, anyway, but yeah, it's brutal. She she takes a um, trowel shovel yeah. thing and just lays into her. It's funny because some of the violence in the first half of the movie is staged. I think a little silly. You know, there's, there's obviously like missed punches and things like that. And it seems like just I guess it just got better as it went along because the violence at the end is so upsetting and shocking and realistic yeah you know, and uh, it was it was bad so yeah a movie 
and thinking about like you know the Ebert review, all these imagine kids watching that, you know, back yeah. then. Now it, it would arguably still be very upsetting, but back then when there's just nothing else like that, I can't imagine. Well, yeah. So what did the actresses come out? Seventy two. Yeah. So easily five years later, and yeah. then even then that was rated R because there's actually a rating system, and you would probably know. That but, is crazy. Yeah, but I think you see a black and white trailer for something called Night of the Living Dead. You easily think, you know, maybe like a Planet Nine from Outer Space or something like yes, that. Swamp Monster. Yeah, could be anything. So then Ben does end up going down into the cellar and locking himself in. Yeah. Ben's the final girl. He is. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just him left, which, then, again, that's kind of an inverse of the trope, I suppose, uh, you know, since he's yeah. not a blonde female. Right. And then the next day, it feels like things are under control. Yeah. We see these same people. Well, it seems like the same kind of people that we've seen on TV. Yeah, these posses. And now they're here. Yeah. And it seems like, okay, they got things under control. They know what to do. They yeah, know how to no take care of it. There's no zombies around, it seems like. Well, they kind of shoot a few that oh. are wandering around, but... It seemed like they got it down. They know what to do. They burn them. And so we think, great. Everything is safe and everything's going to be okay. Yeah, so Ben wakes up. He, he's like, great. He has his coffee. He's <laughs> <laughs> getting his day going. Uh, he does some calisthenics. <laughs> uh, and then um, then he kind of looks out the window. I mean, he does have a gun, admittedly, but you know, so does everybody else. And he's shot. He's shot by the posse. By a bunch of white men. A white posse. I mean, <laughs> Shoots Chris. the black man. At the end of the movie. How is this so socially irrelevant still now? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, I I say he has a gun, but it could be they don't even notice he has a gun. He's just a guy in the window. No, because a zombie wouldn't have had a gun. Yeah. I mean, the idea is they clearly think he's a zombie, but you can't ignore the fact that the black man is gunned down by the white posse. Yes. (laughs) And I, I guess, you know, again, George A. Romero says that he didn't write the character to be black but it did say he rewrote the character once that guy was cast so and i took right. that to mean he, re- he rewrote like the dialogue because the guy was like you said so smart and wouldn't talk the way they apparently it's like original like a farmer type character right, at first. right. truck driver type, but, yeah. uh, um it could be that they rewrote the ending I, I don't know well and then you just how can you ignore like the at the end they have just like the stills yeah, of yeah. the dogs. Right. Oh, and yes, and there's um And then the white man over him with the hooks. Yeah. I mean I, I, mean, I it I, looks like a lynching. I yeah, and I set out he was he was killed by a posse, but you should he was killed by a posse with police dogs. And you yes. think about like the Birmingham dogs yeah. and uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know how you ignore that. Surprise to see that Roger Ebert didn't seem to pick up any of that, other than to call the main character a Negro over and over again. Oh my gosh! Well, I mean, then so it, maybe it was ignored. Um, I mean, creepy. And there's just like creepy string sounds in the background, and then just the sounds of like the dogs barking and the cops and the helicopters, and it's just that's how it ends. It doesn't end on a note of like, "Look, we saved the day." I mean, it, it that is meant to make you think. Like, it's got to, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not a very happy movie. No. Uh, it's upsetting in, in every sense of the word. Uh, on the other hand, I mean, it's kind of the first half of it. I mean, it's it's a fun movie in a way. Like it's you know, uh, I, I love the sort of framing device with all the TV reports and mm-hmm. the news media. That's pretty clever, especially for back then as a way of telling the story. I mean, there's whole scenes where just people sitting around a radio listening for like five minutes at a time. Yeah. Which I'm sure there's probably some rule against doing that. It's like <laughs> as you know, don't tell your story that way. But it works, you know, and it seems it makes it seem, you know. What is the word for 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 similitude? You know, kind of heightened realism a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I can see that happening. You know, on Letterbox last night I gave it four stars, but I think I'll need to up it because I've been thinking about it all day. It's a hell of a movie. 
especially to be the first of its kind. And then the legacy that it has given All right. us. And just I mean, think about, pretty. you know, these guys, they, they just decided to make a movie. They were doing, you know, like I said, TV ads, you know, and they just were stumbling into this, you know, classic, which, I mean, that's so cool that think yeah. that, that could happen. He was 27 when he made this. I didn't mention how, for some reason, how scary to me that the naked girl zombie is. I'm not sure why. I just had to pause oh. it almost. Hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Night of the Living Dead. Have you seen many of the sequels? I mean, you've seen Dawn of the Dead, obviously. I think we watched that together, didn't we? The original. Yeah, yeah and you got me the nice Criterion collection. Oh, it's nice of me. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure I've seen any of the other ones. Um, I mean, there's an original classic trilogy. There's Night of the Living Dead. Dawn of the Dawn Dead. Dawn of the Dead. But then there's Day of the Dead, which I've never seen. I haven't either. But I understand that's supposed to be really good. Oh. And then George Romero came back you know, 20 years later and did more recent ones, which right. are all supposed to be pretty good. Uh, um, I did like that George Romero said that he felt that Brad Pitt ruined the zombie genre. Oh, that World War Z movie. Leave Brad Pitt alone. <laughs> so what was that? He didn't like it. <laughs> that was kind of a mess. but It was a bit of a mess. I, I did think, not care for it. I think I liked it okay. Well, I say four and a half turkey legs. Uh, yeah, easily four and a half uh, barbers. <laughs> <laughs> So, Kristen, do you have a um, true crime for us? Kind of. I have some true information. Okay. Does that help? Well, now I'm intrigued, so this isn't a crime, per se? Or? No. Okay. Well, tell me all about it. Okay. I really do love zombies, and I got into the whole zombie genre. I started reading the Walking Dead graphic novels. A TV show came out, you know? So I researched some some stuff about where they originated from. So George Romero obviously made, like, the modern zombie that we know today that's been in books and tv and movies but they have appeared in literature as far back as 1697 really yeah but they were called ghouls which is kind of where it came from um and so to to bone up i remember so i love the podcast lore i've never ever listened to that i have not and i remembered one in particular about a girl who comes back or something and her She's buried again, and her dad, like, burns her heart on a stone, and I could not find it. So if anyone can help me find that particular episode of Lore, that'd be great. But I re-listened to a couple other ones. Wait, did you say he burned her heart on a stone? Did yes. I hear that? What? Yeah, I don't remember the... I don't... Okay, I, that's I not the story it. then. Okay, no. Right. <laughs> Sounds like uh, a good and, one. And I, I swear that that was, like, the first time that the word zombie was used in the United States, uh, in, like, in a newspaper. Hmm. They called her a zombie. Um, but I couldn't find that particular episode uh, or that information, so just scratch all that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. But so I re-listened to an episode of Lore number 26 called Brought Back, and he kind of gives some of the history of zombie. Oh, and then the ghouls that George Romero is referring to is more from Arabian folklore, and they're the, these demons that eat the dead. The European had the Revenant, which means the returned, mm. which is why that... Leonardo DiCaprio movie is named Shitty that. Movie. He comes back from the dead. <laughs> and most countries have their own version of some sort of name for something that comes back from the dead. But zombies, then the word zombie is rooted mostly in, like like you had said, West African and Haitian culture. Is it a French word or an um, African word? Or? It's an African word. Okay. So millions of West Africans were stolen and sent to Haiti to work on the sugar plantations of, as slaves. But the first time people heard the word zombie is actually from the African word in zombie, which means the spirit of a dead person, or it's also the Congo word for soul, zombie. So it's uh, N-Z-M, 
BI. But so they took all this history and and um, their culture over to Haiti. And so and essentially, I mean, slavery took over their bodies, their minds and their lives. And they felt like they were trapped souls. And so that's where the, the word zombie, Z-O-M-B-I, was first recorded in 1872. Wow. And all of this also is kind of based in voodoo culture, which is also from West Africa and from Haiti. So the Bokor is the voodoo practitioner who had the power to bring back the dead, they said. But also, I mean, just the idea of these slaves saying that they're zombies because they are essentially, they have no control over their lives. And that just seems like an amazing Jordan Peele movie. Someone has as smart and such a good filmmaker as Jordan Peele could do something amazing. I mean, he did he did great things with Get Out, but the idea that they were actually zombies because they were slaves. Right. Because could, could be fascinating and make it into a horror movie, you know? You can have that, Jordan Peele. There is a new movie coming out uh, that looks very Jordan Peele-ian called um, Appalachia. Or, oh! Have you seen that trailer? I think so. It's, it's, I don't know what it's about. The, the trailer's very cryptic, but it seems like it's operating in that territory. I mm. mean... Anyway, good. But I guess they, they essentially believed that if you killed yourself, because like a lot of people, they were slaves. They were unhappy they, and they wanted to end their lives. But they thought that if they did, then they would be trapped inside. They would come back as like a, a zombie. That's kind of what they would think. And then they'd still be trapped in slavery, essentially, only forever. But what's so interesting about this is, like, it seems like this is all legend or lore, but there was actually some medical evidence of this because apparently these Bokor voodoo practitioners were using um, tetradoxin, which is a neurotoxin found in pufferfish. And they were using it along with like bones and feathers and they'd make it into what they called a zombie powder. Like on the X-Files. Was that an episode? Yeah. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, there's an episode like where they're at the military <sighs> base and there's all the Haitian refugees. And there's that guy using zombie powder to basically make people hallucinate and it's like from season two i think oh my gosh i can't believe i don't we'll have to watch that as soon as we're done it's called fresh bones that's that's what they're playing off of this is exactly that it causes zombie-like symptoms such as difficulty walking mental confusion respiratory problems and so the use of this could lead to paralysis so people would think they were dead so they would appear to be dead and then the bokor would bring them back Mm. yes so it's really fascinating. Um, so William Seabrook wrote about this in his novel White Zombie, which became the 1932 movie starring Bela Lugosi. Have you ever seen that? No. Yeah, neither have I. Um, and then Zora Neale Hurston, who wrote Their Eyes Are Watching God, yeah. she wrote about this and then this particular story I'm going to tell you about in her 1938 nonfiction book, Tell My Horse. So she went to Haiti and she encountered this zombie and so this is the story of felicia felix mentor okay that's a real name yes (laughs) sounds like a harry potter name (laughs) it does (laughs) october 24th 1936 in the village of ennery in haiti a woman stumbled into town she was old wrinkled feeble her eyes were sensitive to light and all of her eyelashes had fallen out and she was covering her eyes Uh, one of the families recognized her as someone who they thought was from their family. They took her home and they swear that she was Felicia Felix's mentor who had died 29 years earlier. Now, Felicia and this woman 
both had a limp in their leg. They looked similar. I guess the age would have been about right, but that was about it. And so Hurston, when she was there, she wrote a whole... I love to read the book. She it's wrote, called Tell My Horse? Yeah. I've never heard of it. Well, I've, I mean, I've, I've read several of her books uh, back in the day in college. I just didn't... I didn't even know she did nonfiction. Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, but then, so, but then there was a medical doctor who came back, and he also did his own investigation. And when he came back, um, this person who they said was Felicia had gained weight. She looked better. She didn't have the limp on her leg anymore. And he felt that it, it was not the same person and that this woman was just suffering from schizophrenia and maybe had wandered in from somewhere else, which also reminded me of the documentary The Imposter. Did you ever watch that? No. And it's so good. So it's about a family who loses their child about age eight or so. And then someone comes back and says, I'm him, I'm your son. And they say, great. And they bring him back into their lives. They think they want to believe so bad that it's their son. And it turns out that it's just a crazy guy. Oh, God. Yeah. And that's not spoiling anything. That's the whole premise Premise. of the documentary. Did you watch Three Identical Strangers yet? (laughs) No. Oh, my gosh. That's another documentary. It's fascinating. I've at least heard of that one. Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought this is all. I thought this is all probably your just crazy Google searches. <laughs> <laughs> so that reminds me of the imposter. I, I, I mean, it seems like maybe these people really wanted this to be their family member yeah. who had come back from the dead, and it probably was just a coincidence of someone coming into town and them feeling it was her and taking care of her. But maybe if they took care of her as her family member, maybe that was fine. You know, maybe it was meant to be. But so the imposter, you gotta watch that. Is it like a new movie or? I uh, no, maybe not, I don't know. Twenty fourteen, I don't know. Three identical strangers. Watch those documentaries, and okay. then let's go watch that X Files episode. <laughs> okay. I don't remember. Bye guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>